on your part. All right, here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. It's me, JT Ayers. I'm your host, through and through, week by week. If this is your first time ever hearing podcast, I doubt that. I doubt this is your first time hearing this podcast because we've had so many incredible guests. We're over a hundred of these bad boys. But Trevor Bassett's going to join me in just a second, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about On Track and Field. You hear me talking about On Track and Field all the time. And you know what? I am part of this amazing company, but I also am a head coach. And so if you are looking to have the source of all things track and field and cross country even related, go to ontrackandfield.com. For over 47 years, and I'm grafted into this family, we've been doing business. Got 47, that's older than I am. That's amazing. But here's the thing. I, two months ago, just bought the most unbelievable custom-made, and it's huge, high jump hit. In fact, it was one of the first off the lot. It was for my track team. I am just so excited by it. And then now... Yeah, I'm doing the next big thing, maybe even bigger. I'm buying a pole vault pit. And this thing is 26 by 21 by 32. It is humongous. And it here's the best part about the whole thing. It's affordable. And so right now on track and field, they have developed these pits and priced them so they're super high quality. And yet, yeah, they're affordable. 23 grand, that is affordable because if you are a coach and you are in the track and field community, you know that's easily 10 grand cheaper than it should be. So their invitational pit is 23 grand. And if you live in SoCal, the delivery is free. I live in SoCal, so I'm going to get the free. So I love this company. I love being part of this company. And I wouldn't even be doing this podcast unless I believed in their mission. And I get to be part of that. So go to ontrackandfield.com. Check out what they have. Reach out to me on social media. And you know what? Here's the phone number. Write this down or hit the 15 second back button so you can listen to it again. But here's the thing. 1-800-697-2999. That's 1-800-697-2999. Just inquire about a pit. And you know what? I bet your school district would even buy you one. But because just use the word liability. Gets them every time. But 23 to 24 grand and... That is way cheaper than you're finding anywhere else. It is brand new pole vault and high jump landing systems. They're awesome. All right. I've talked so much about them, but I believe in them. You will as well on trackandfield.com. All right. On to the podcast. So, yes, I already spoiled it, but Trevor Bassett with me is with me right now. Two time world champion, one time world champion silver, one time world champion bronze. Kind of a big deal. Personal best 4738 unreal and he just got back from budapest a few uh, maybe a month ago but he's with me right now and we're going to talk about track and field and his career so trevor thank you for joining me yeah thanks for having me it's always a pleasure and i'm honored to be a recurring guest oh heck yeah and um yeah wait <laughs> maybe like the pat mcafee show you could be my aaron Rodgers. so here we go um yeah TV, what does TV tuesdays man yeah see what does off-season look like for a professional athlete? I mean, have you been counseled? Is there wisdom attached to it? Or are you just sit around and be lazy on purpose? Um, everyone does it differently. What I like to do, at least the first week, I like to be really lazy. Like, I'm not doing anything active. But then after that first week, I kind of get like, I start to feel kind of sluggish. I start to feel a little lazy. So I'll get up and do something like 
one day I went outside and shot a basketball around for, for a little bit. Um, I posted on my social media. I did day one of Squattober when that workout dropped. Just because I like working out, I like lifting. Um, I just hit the golf course today. Hit the driving range. So I just try, I try to do something active. And then towards the end of our off season, Coach Holloway ha- likes us to do some like running, whether it be like jog a mile or like some barefoot strides, just something like that, just to get back into moving. But that first that first week, week and a half, you're not going to find me doing too much active stuff. And is that by design? Is it hard to sit around? I mean, I have athletes right now. If I tell them we're going to take the weekend off, they freak out and they just need to run. I can't imagine what it's like for you. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, by the time it's such a long season. So don't get me wrong. When I finished Prefontaine, I was like, thank God I'm done and I can take some time off. But then after like three or four days of doing absolutely nothing, it's kind of like, okay, I, and like we've talked off, we talked off podcasts that I'm not in school anymore, so I don't really have anything to do. So it's just kind of getting bored to where I'll go, I'll go shoot, shoot a basketball around, go to the driving range, just do something like active and just something to help pass the time. Well, you're married now. And so maybe you guys can spend a little more time. Does yes, she I travel am. with you to like Budapest and all these different, you know, countries to, to when you do these things and you, you run? Um, She went to Budapest. She, for her, we normally just hit like the big meets. So she'll go to USA's Olympic trials, Budapest. Um, she was at Worlds last year in Eugene. So we'll hit the big ones just because it is it's expensive and she also works. So it's kind of hard for her to just like up and leave for like three or four days to go to like Zurich or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, let me transition to you're 25. The last time we talked, I think it was maybe a year and a half ago, you were just becoming a pro athlete. I mean, you were at Ashland, and then you did so much so great things in the NCAAs, and then you were even better. I saw you in Eugene, which you had that outside lane coming from behind, unbelievable third place. It was awesome. So you get these coaches that are you're constantly bouncing back and from, and now you're in Florida, right, with Coach Holloway and yep. his whole group. What can you yeah. tell us about the different coaching styles? Does it always mesh well with the athlete? How do you even find a good coach? Have you ever had anyone say, no, they're not going to coach you? Like, what ex- What can we know? I mean, we're just casual fans. Kind of yeah. take that, like, you know, veil off of us a little bit, peel it back and tell us what it looks like to be a pro athlete with coaches. So for people that don't know, when I was at Ashland, my – coach for four years there was Ernie Clark who's now at Northern Arizona and he was my coach for my freshman through senior year Uh, uh, he took a different job my fifth year and we had a handful of coaches come in and I worked with them and then I like you said now I'm in Florida with coach Holloway so first just talking about the difference between those two coaches they're both very intense which I like personally they're both intense intense coaches they both care about you as a person, which means a lot to me. One of the differences I've found is Coach Clark's a lot more technical in terms of like the warm up. So like every day we're warming up, we're very technical with like the drills we do, very locked in, like really focused on what we're doing. And the warm up we do, I do now with Coach Holloway, is much more of like a very progressive warm up. You're not as much like super locked in into, into the the drills you're necessarily doing 
as much as you're just like getting your body warm, getting your muscles loosened up and getting ready to go. Like a Coach Clark warm up on a certain day could take anywhere from like 45, 50 minutes, maybe up to an hour. And with Coach Holloway, we're normally 30 to 35 minutes if I had to guess. And then for 400 hurdles specifically, what I've noticed is working with Coach Clark, we approached a lot more from a hurdle standpoint, whereas Coach Holloway and I now look at it as more of a 400 400 race, right? There's 10 hurdles, but if you don't take care of the running in between the hurdles, the hurdles themselves don't really matter. So that was kind of an adjustment I had to work through with him and kind of find a middle ground which you kind of saw towards the end of the season at Worlds when things started to click for us. In terms of finding a coach, I've never had anybody turn me down, thankfully. Um, After last year in Eugene, I was coaching myself, and I knew I didn't want to coach myself as a pro. So I knew of Coach Holloway. I had reached out to a couple other coaches that I felt like would be good. And what I – I spoke to them all on the phone – I visited some of them in person, just like see their groups, see how they did things. And what mattered to me was that they cared about me as a person, not just an athlete, that I could communicate with them, that we could kind of go back and forth if we needed to. And that I felt like their system, their training system worked for me. So I had a lot of success at Ashland with Coach Clark. He's very speed power based. So I knew I wanted to go to a speed power coach. And Coach Holloway is that. He has a little more of a strength component with it, where we might do some stuff over four, at 400 meters or over 400 meters in practice. But that was a little bit more of a mix that I liked. So I knew I wouldn't necessarily – I knew my body didn't respond well to a whole lot of like strength-based running. So like 500s, 600s, repeat fours, something like that. Because we had that my last year at Ashland. And I ran well that indoor season, but I didn't do anywhere near I felt like I could. And I never felt like my foot speed was there. So that was an issue that I had and I knew it didn't work for me. So that was just me kind of knowing my body, what I respond well to and what I needed. Which part of that was because I had that those two months after NCA outdoors to train myself. To fig, kind of mix and match, figure out what worked well for me, what didn't. And I was kind of able to then find coaches that I knew were speed power coaches, reach out to them, talk to them, talk to their current athletes, talk to former athletes, and just kind of get a feel. And all that, that long-winded story brought me here to Gainesville, Florida with Coach Holloway. Wow. That's really interesting to hear about all I – mean, you're literally making a decision for your entire career because you and I both know we're products of coaching. And if you don't have the right yeah. coach – that really can mess things up. Um, and I'm really glad you found a spot. So you mentioned something earlier about when it started clicking. And I know all coaches want to get their athletes ready at the best and most important time. And what do you do with the ups and downs of a season? Because I I mean, I saw you at Mount Sac not too long ago, and mm-hmm. you didn't have a great race. And you, I think you were kind of bummed. But then you come back, and then you like – you get to that spot where you're in Budapest running great. So now I guess like my question is, how do you deal with those ups and downs? Are you expecting personal best all the time or close to, I mean, what do you do mentally to handle all that? Well, I was, 
I was expecting a lot more personal bests this year just because that was what the training was showing me and how great that year in Eugene went. Um, how I dealt with it was I took a lot of advice from Coach Holloway and Grant Holloway, which what Grant said is he Grant said, hey, the pro game's different. He's like, you really only need to be ready for three races, and that's U.S. Champs slash Trials, World's Olympics, Diamond League Final. Everything else is just getting you ready for those moments and helping you make a little extra money. And I had a race in Paris. I went 48-2. Felt like I executed okay, but not great. So I was talking to Coach Holloway on the phone, and he said, hey, he's like, we're, we're here for championships. We focus on championships in our group. He's like, all I'm doing, all we're doing right now is you're getting international experience. You're getting races under your belt. You're getting conditioned and you're putting some money in your pocket. He's like, you know, I'll have you ready and you know that you will be ready when it matters. So that's just kind of how I approached it of looking at like, hey, it's a, it, it's the pro season. It's very different. I'm working on things. One of the things I struggled with the most was that at Ashland, I could work on things in a 400 hurdle race and win by two, three seconds. I could have a really off day and win by two seconds. Now I can have my absolute best day and not even get top three at a certain meet potentially. So it's very different. And it's kind of, you kind of have to check your ego at the door a little bit and understand that this is the best of the best. And then it was also just frustrating dealing with, Anybody that's changed coaches knows there's an adjustment period. So like when I said things started to click, I moved down here in November of 2022 and started training with the group. And a lot of this past outdoor season was me and Coach Holloway feeling each other out, finding a race plan that we both liked, an approach that worked good for both of us, and kind of finding that um, – What's the word? Compromise. There we go. Finding like a compromise that we both felt really good about. And we could both trust each other. And that's what happened at Worlds when I ran 47-3. And even then, I didn't execute that race great. My last two hurdles were shaky just because I panicked and I lost comp. I didn't trust my stride pattern at the end. And that cost me probably a 46. And that's something Coach Holloway and I know. So it's really just being patient, understanding that your coach is going to have you ready when it matters and you're going to be ready when it matters. So 46 is in your wheelhouse, huh? Yes. And that's what made this past season so frustrating was everything I was doing in practice pretty much from April on was like, you're ready to run 46. You're ready to run 46. And then it just didn't happen, which is, which is life. Obviously there's a lot, I'm sure there's been a lot of hurdlers in the world in history that have said I'm a 46 second hurdler and never hit it. But that's just, you have, everything's there. You just have to execute on race day and we will this year. Well, it's a good year to do it because Paris in 2024 <laughs> is going to be pretty magical. Um, yeah. So you mentioned something earlier, just like, you know, you're doing these races to put money in your pocket. Can you explain how a professional 400 meter hurdler even makes a living? Yeah. So a lot of professional athletes in track and field, you'll see them wearing like Nike, Adidas, New Balance, Puma, because they're sponsored. So a lot of them have a what's called a shoe contract. They get a base salary from the shoe company, and then they have certain incentives for like making teams or running under a certain time. 
I'm still in the position, unfortunately, where I'm unsponsored. So the only way I receive money and the way other unsponsored athletes receive money is through prize money. Meaning if you go to the Monaco Diamond League, for example, and you win, the top prize money at every Diamond League is $10,000. So you win, you win that race, you fill out the form, the prize money form, and you'll get you'll get a check or direct deposit, however you want to do it, for $10,000 in probably like three or four months. And you get money through that, through prize money, certain grants. I've always spoken and will always speak very highly of the USATF Foundation. They do an incredible job. They do yearly grants for track and field athletes that has helped me specifically more than I can possibly I can't overstate it. So they're an incredible organization that does well. And then there's non-shoe contract sponsors like Oakley. Um, you could get something with Hyper Ice. I know some of the people that are experienced Olympians have a deal with Coca-Cola. Michael Norman and Gabby Thomas have them with Toyota. So just finding certain sponsorships, prize money, grants are the main way pro track and field athletes make their money. Does this your agent have to go out and find these things for you? Or is this you walking up to TJ Maxx and saying, hey, man, how about me? Um, it's For shoe contracts specifically, it's your agent. Anything non-shoe contract related is typically going to be you. Or your agent might put you, put you in connection with an outside marketing agency for non-shoe contract deals because they can help you out. And because there's a certain like chain of command or certain email chain or someone specific to go to for those things that most of us don't actually know. And you need either the connection or you need someone that does know the connection to kind of get through to the companies. Okay. We need to get you paid because you're not talking about a lot of money. And I'm a, I'm a high yeah. school coach and a teacher and I'm making more money than you monthly. That's not cool. That shouldn't happen. You're a professional athlete. One of the best ever to do it. So, all right. Well, Listeners, go to your work. Go go figure out how to get Trevor some money. Um, so maybe this is a follow up question, but walk me through the last th you know two or three years because it's been a whirlwind for you, and the trajectory is still going up, man. Your ceiling is high, very high. What have you learned along the way? What have I learned along the way? Uh, um, I've learned that patience and consistency are key. Um, and you have to just control the controllables track and field is such a unique sport that the only other sports like it are, is probably swimming where that I step to the start line and there is nothing I can do from stopping the other hurdlers from running fast football. You can tackle the running back. If he's about to score basketball, you can block a shot or get in front of somebody. Track and field, there's nothing I can do without getting disqualified. I'll throw that disclaimer in there. There's <laughs> nothing I can do to stop someone else from running fast. So you have to find a way to mentally lock in where you just got to run. I've always told myself recently that you have to just have the mindset going in. You might beat me. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to PR to beat me, or you're gonna have to give a season's best on the day to beat me. And then it's just the consistency of training every single day. If you can't show up to a if you can you can have the best practice of your life Monday, 
you can crush the hard workout. If your hard workout day is Monday, you can crush that hard day. Awesome. But if you can't come back Tuesday and be within five or 10% of the same effort and intensity you put in the day before, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to stack days continuously every single day if you want to get to where you're going to get to. Because if not, you're just taking you're taking two steps forward and a step back. And you're just going to keep – it's going to be much more of a slower progression than you want to see. Wow. Love it, man. 25 years old and full of so much wisdom. Oh, man. It's awesome. You feel affirmed and encouraged by that, bro. Um, six. Are you six foot four? Is that right? Yes, six foot four. Okay, six foot four. And what's your ideal – race like weight um normally when we get to like usa's worlds i'm in like the 175 to 177 range uh normally when we're in like december january and like a heavy lifting phase i'll be in like i'll be around 180 181 okay and then uh arm sleeve at all times right and that's your signature move yep left arm right arm is strictly for getting buckets so it's the left arm only <laughs> love it my entire track and field team now has multiple bins of arm sleeves because we're inspired by trevor bassett all right last last question and this is just for me because um i love this stuff is your favorite and it can be the easiest or hardest but your favorite 400 meter workout your hard day what does that look like favorite so i'm gonna say my favorite not because I like doing it because I hate doing it, but when I hit this workout and I run and I run it well, I know I'm ready to run something fast. And this will be something I'll do like 10 days out, 10 days out of like a big race or big championship. And it'll be out of blocks, over eight hurdles, 300 meters at 30, 33, 34 pace. So just all out race pace, cross the 300 minute rest, and then a 100 either flat or over the last two hurdles of the race. And if I can hit that workout well, and if I can come back in 11 point, like a low 11 with no hurdles or a low 12 with hurdles, then I know like, all right, we're ready to go. Just one, one, one set, just 300, eight hurdles with the I've done break. one. I've done one set and I've also done two. Um, personally, I prefer the one set just because trying to come back for that second set out of blocks with the stride pattern and everything doesn't really, it's, it's a lot more difficult. You're going to fade a lot faster. So I wouldn't, there was one time I did it when I was working with, because Coach Clark was the one that showed me that workout, hated it. It's awful. But <laughs> when I did it again by myself to get ready for USA's in 2022, I did the first set over hurdles, then did the second set flat. So no hurdles, but still out of blocks and everything, just no hurdles. And that was fine. I've done either. Nowadays, I just I just prefer doing the one rep just because you're still getting what you want out of it. But well, in 10 days out, I mean, you're just trying to prime the pump. You're trying to get it all perfect. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You discount the hurdles too? Lower them down? Um, I didn't do that. Coach Holloway has done that with me. 
I do like it. Like you feel really fast. I've I've been a big proponent of moving the hurdles in. Oh, really? Uh, so moving in from the yeah. So I was always that was one of the compromises Coach Hollow and I had I had to make pretty early on. Was I like after hurdle one moving the hurdles in? I used to do a hurdle base, so it was roughly like three feet. And he's like, no, nah. he's like, we're going to do a foot. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take what I can get. You're in charge. So I, cause I do like it. It's a lot easier to simulate how it's going to feel in a race with the hurdles moved in. Cause the same thing, you're not going to put your 110 hurdle guys at race hurdle distance for like a rep to seven. You're not going to do that. So in my mind, I don't know why you would do it for the 400 hurdles. Yeah. And are you counting your steps too? Or are you just going, it's so intrinsic. I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a stride pattern, but I don't like, I don't like mentally count it as I run, but yeah. Cause I'm, and that was another one of the compromises we had to make because I really wanted to 12 step on the back stretch and we tried it once we tried it at Tom Jones and it did not go well. I was just really big and slow. And so we went back to 13 and then at USA's, after the semifinal, I was like, I can 12-step tomorrow. I'm going to do it. Didn't tell Coach Holloway that, <laughs> me being the great <laughs> athlete I am. And the 12-step was fine to the first hurdle. But then in my mind, I'm like, oh, crap. Because I kicked, I hit the hurdle with my lead foot on my weak leg. So I lost all of my momentum, just killed it. And I'm like, well, shoot, I have to get back on my strong leg, like, now. So I got like three steps from the hurdle and just pretty much did a triple jump bound to get to the hurdle off of hurdle five. And then at that point, I'm like, all right, I just went from like third place to like seventh. And this is a U.S. final. I'm like, I got to go. And then we just hammered the finish. We got third. It all worked out. But it was really scary for me and for everyone watching. And Coach Holloway's like, we're done. We're done with that. And I, I'm like, I agree. That was enough <laughs> of a scare for me. I'm good. Yeah, well, you know, if anybody's listening and they're a high school 300-meter hurdler or even a collegiate 400-meter hurdler, strides are meaningless unless stride frequency is pounding the ground because speed matters. So I'm glad to hear you say that, Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, I promised you I try to keep it at 20 minutes, and I failed because I'm four or five minutes over. I can't help myself, man. I just want to keep talking to you all day. You are awesome. And if you need to feel that from, like, if I can speak on the audience's behalf, we're huge fans and I have a classroom full of kids and a 300 kids, boys and girls on a track and field team in Southern California that are all rooting for you. Um, feel the weight of that when you get back into your in season, which I know is coming up, but Trevor, how can we continue to follow you and your social media and all the things that are going out there? Let us know. Yeah. Um, I put all, I use Instagram a lot more than Twitter, but my Instagram and Twitter are the same. It's just at Trevor Bassett 30 P R E. V-O-R-B-A-S-S-I-T-T, and then the number 30. Once we get my schedule for the season figured out, I'll put out a post for that. And you might see some stuff of me, some weight room content, some training content. So, yeah, I like to keep people in the loop because I know how frustrating it can be trying to follow professional track and field. So I try to help that as much as I can. Well, I appreciate it because it's the most frustrating sport to follow. If I have to <laughs> find a peacock or CNBC or whatever, my gosh. But um, it's worth it. It's the greatest sport in the world. And you and I and anybody listening, we all know that. Oh, yeah. Well, stick around. You can listen to Steve, our CEO. He's also 
amazing and worthwhile. You can listen to him and he'll let you know how to get in contact with RelayBatons.com, which does power this podcast as well, including and and, and as well on TrackAndField.com. So stick around. And Steve, the man who definitely does not count his strides because they're far too many. Take us away. Thanks for joining us on this week's On Track and Field podcast with this week's guest, Trevor Bassett. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved, meet, and competition legal relay batons, water bottles, and tumblers. Great for team branding, fundraisers, meet awards, and coaches' gifts. And by OnTrackAndField.com. Cross country and tracks one-stop source for everything you need for a successful season. Competition gear, spikes, training equipment, and shoes. On Track Field.com has everything you need, including our new pull vault and high jump landing systems designed by jumpers for jumpers. Check them out online or give us a call for a free quote. And make sure to check out our new website, OnTrackRunning.com, your new source for competition and training shoes featuring Saucony, Brooks, On Running, New Balance, Asics, and Hoka Shoes and Spikes, OnTrackRunning.com. And make sure to follow us on our socials at OnTrack, the letter N field, at OnTrack and field on Twitter and the gram 